The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1 by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Goethe, Volume 1 by Johann von Goethe, translated by John Oxenford, Section 7. Second Book, Part Two, The New Paris, Part One. The New Paris, A Boy's Legend. On the night before Whit Sunday, not long since, I dreamed that I stood before a mirror engaged with the new summer clothes which my dear parents had given me for the holiday. The dress consisted, as you know, of shoes of polished leather with large silver buckles fine cotton stockings, black nether garments of serge, and a coat of green barrican with gold buttons. The waistcoat of gold cloth was cut out of my father's bridal waistcoat. My hair had been frizzled and powdered, and my curls stuck out from my head like little wings. But I could not finish dressing myself because I kept confusing the different articles, the first always falling off as soon as I was about to put on the next. In this dilemma a young and handsome man came to me and greeted me in the friendliest manner. Oh, you are welcome, said I. I am very glad to see you here. Do you know me then? replied he, smiling. Why not? was my no less smiling answer. You are Mercury. I have often enough seen you represented in pictures. I am indeed replied he, and I am sent to you by the gods on an important errand. Do you see these three apples? He stretched forth his hand and showed me three apples, which you could hardly hold, and which were as wonderfully beautiful as they were large, the one of a red, the other of a yellow, the third of a green colour. One could not help thinking they were precious stones made into the form of fruit. I would have snatched them, but he drew back and said, You must know in the first place that they are not for you. You must give them to the three handsomest youths of the city, who then, each according to his lot, will find wives to the utmost of their wishes. Take them, and success to you, said he as he departed, leaving the apples in my open hands. They appeared to me to have become still larger. I held them up at once against the light and found them quite transparent. But soon they expanded upward and became three beautiful little ladies, about as large as middle-sized dolls, whose clothes were of the colours of the apples. They glided gently up my fingers, and when I was about to catch them, to make sure of one at least, they had already soared high and far, and I had to put up with the disappointment. I stood there all amazed and petrified, holding up my hands and staring at my fingers as if there was still something on them to see. Suddenly I saw a most lovely girl dance upon the very tips. She was smaller, but pretty and lively. 
and as she did not fly away like the others but remained dancing now on one finger-point now on another i regarded her for a long while with admiration and as she pleased me so much i thought in the end i could catch her and made as i fancied a very adroit grasp but at the moment i felt such a blow on my head that i fell down stunned and did not awake from my stupor till it was time to dress myself and go to church during the service i often called those images to mind and also when i was eating dinner at my grandfather's table in the afternoon i wished to visit some friends partly to show myself in my new dress with my hat under my arm and my sword by my side and partly to return their visits i found no one at home and as i heard that they were gone to the gardens i resolved to follow them and pass the evening pleasantly my way led towards the entrenchments and i came to the spot which is rightly called the bad wall for it is never quite safe from ghosts there i walked slowly and thought of my three goddesses but especially of the little nymph and often held up my fingers in hopes that she might be kind enough to balance herself there again with such thoughts i was proceeding when i saw in the wall on my left hand a little gate which i do not remember to have ever noticed before it looked low but its pointed arch would have allowed the tallest man to enter arch and wall had been chiselled in the handsomest way both by mason and sculptor but it was the door itself which first properly attracted my attention the old brown wood though slightly ornamented was crossed with broad bands of brass wrought both in relief and in taglio the foliage on these with the most natural birds sitting in it i could not sufficiently admire but what seemed most remarkable no keyhole could be seen no latch no locker and from this i conjectured that the door could be opened only from within i was not in error for when i went nearer in order to touch the ornaments it opened inwards and there appeared a man whose dress was somewhat long wide and singular a venerable beard enveloped his chin so that i was inclined to think him a jew but he as if he had divined my thoughts made a sign of the holy cross by which he gave me to understand that he was a good catholic christian young gentleman how came you here and what are you doing he said to me with a friendly voice and manner i'm admiring i replied the workmanship of this door for i have never seen anything like it except in some small pieces in the collections of amateurs i am glad he answered that you like such works the door is much more beautiful inside come in if you like my heart in some degree failed me the mysterious dress of the porter the seclusion and the something i know not what that seemed to be in the air oppressed me i paused therefore under the pretext of examining the outside still longer and at the same time i cast stolen glances into the garden for a garden it was which had opened before me 
just inside the door i saw a space old linden trees standing at regular distances from each other entirely covered it with their thickly interwoven branches so that the most numerous parties during the hottest of the day might have refreshed themselves in the shade already i had stepped upon the threshold and the old man contrived gradually to allure me on properly speaking i did not resist for i had always heard that a prince or sultan in such a case must never ask whether there be danger at hand i had my sword by my side too and could i not soon have finished with the old man in case of hostile demonstrations i therefore entered perfectly reassured the keeper closed the door which bolted so softly that i scarcely heard it he now showed me the workmanship on the inside which in truth was still more artistic than the outside explained it to me and at the same time manifested particular good will being thus entirely at my ease i let myself be guided in the shaded space by the wall that formed a circle where i found much to admire niches tastefully adorned with shells corals and pieces of ore poured a profusion of water from the mouths of tritons into marble basins between them were aviaries and other lattice-work in which squirrels frisked about guinea-pigs ran hither and thither with as many other pretty little creatures as one could wish to see the birds called and sang to us as we advanced the starlings particularly chattered the silliest stuff one always cried paris paris and the other narcissus narcissus as plainly as a schoolboy can say them the old man seemed to continue looking at me earnestly while the birds called out thus but i feigned not to notice it and had in truth no time to attend to him for i could easily perceive that we went round and round and that this shaded space was in fact a great circle which enclosed another much more important indeed we had actually reached the small door again and it seemed as though the old man would let me out but my eyes remained directed towards a golden railing which seemed to hedge round the middle of this wonderful garden and which i had found means enough of observing in our walk although the old man managed to keep me always close to the wall and therefore pretty far from the centre and now just as he was going to the door i said to him with a bow you have been so extremely kind to me that i would fain venture to make one more request before i part from you might i not look more closely at that golden railing which appears to enclose in a very wide circle the interior of the garden very willingly replied he but in that case you must submit to some conditions in what do they consist i asked hastily you must leave here your hat and sword i must not let go my hand while i accompany you most willingly i replied and laid my hat and sword on the nearest stone bench immediately he grasped my left hand with his right held it fast and led me with some force straight forwards when we reached the railing my wonder changed into amazement 
on the high sockle of marble stood innumerable spears and partisans ranged beneath each other joined by their strangely ornamented points and forming a complete circle i looked through the intervals and saw just behind a gently flowing piece of water bounded on both sides by marble and displaying in its clear depths a multitude of gold and silver fish which moved about now slowly and now swiftly now alone and now in shoals i would also fain have looked beyond the canal to see what there was in the heart of the garden but i found to my great sorrow that the other side of the water was bordered by a similar railing and with so much art that to each interval on this side exactly fitted a spear or partisan on the other these and the other ornaments rendered it impossible for one to see through stand as he would besides the old man who still held me fast prevented me from moving freely my curiosity meanwhile after all i had seen increased more and more and i took heart to ask the old man whether one could not pass over why not returned he but on new conditions when i asked him what these were he gave me to understand that i must put on other clothes he was satisfied to do so he led me back towards the wall into a small neat room on the sides of which hung many kinds of garments all of which seemed to approach the oriental costume i soon changed my dress he confined my powdered hair under a many-coloured net after having to my horror violently dusted it out now standing before a great mirror i found myself quite handsome in my disguise and pleased myself better than in my formal sunday clothes i made gestures and leaped as i had seen the dancers do at the fair theatre in the midst of this i looked in the glass and saw by chance the image of a niche which was behind me on its white ground hung three green cords each of them twisted up in a way which from the distance i could not clearly discern i therefore turned round rather hastily and asked the old man about the niche as well as the cords he very courteously took a cord down and showed it to me it was a band of green silk of moderate thickness the ends of which joined by green leather with two holes in it gave it the appearance of an instrument of no very desirable purpose the thing struck me as suspicious and i asked the old man the meaning he answered me very quietly and kindly this is for those who abuse the confidence which is here readily shown them he hung the cord again in its place and immediately desired me to follow him for this time he did not hold me and so i walked freely beside him my chief curiosity now was to discover where the gate and bridge for passing through the railing and over the canal might be since as yet i had not been able to find anything of the kind I therefore watched the golden fence very narrowly as we hastened towards it but in a moment my sight failed 
lances, spears, halberds, and partisans began unexpectedly to rattle and quiver, and the strange movement ended in all the points sinking towards each other, just as if two ancient hosts armed with pikes were about to charge. The confusion to the eyes, the clatter to the ears, was hardly to be borne, but infinitely surprising was the sight when, falling perfectly level, they covered the circle of the canal and formed the most glorious bridge that one can imagine, for now a most variegated garden parterre met my sight. It was laid out in curvilinear beds, which looked at together formed a labyrinth of ornaments, all with green borders of a low woolly plant which I had never seen before, or with flowers, each division of different colours, which being likewise low and close to the ground, allowed the plan to be easily traced. This delicious sight, which I enjoyed in the full sunshine, quite riveted my eyes, but I hardly knew where I was to set my foot, for the serpentine paths were most delicately laid with blue sand, which seemed to form upon the earth a darker sky, or a sky seen in the water. So I walked for a while beside my conductor with my eyes fixed upon the ground, until at last I perceived that in the middle of this round of beds and flowers there was a great circle of cypresses or poplar-like trees, through which one could not see because the lowest branches seemed to spring out of the ground. My guide, without taking me exactly the shortest way, led me nevertheless immediately towards that centre, and how was I astonished when, on entering the circle of high trees, I saw before me the peristyle of a magnificent garden-house, which seemed to have similar prospects and entrances on the other sides. The heavenly music which streamed from the building transported me still more than this model of architecture, I fancied that I heard now a lute, now a harp, now a guitar, and now something tinkling which did not belong to any of these instruments. The door for which we made opened soon on being lightly touched by the old man, but how was I amazed when the porteress who came out perfectly resembled the delicate girl who had danced on my fingers in the dream. She greeted me as if we were already acquainted, and invited me to walk in. The old man stayed behind, and I went with her through a short passage, arched and finely ornamented, to the middle hall, the splendid dome-like ceiling of which attracted my gaze on my entrance and filled me with astonishment. Yet my eye could not dwell on this long, being allured down by a more charming spectacle. On a carpet directly under the middle of the cupola sat three women in a triangle, clad in three different colours, one red, the other yellow, the third green. The seats were gilt, and the carpet was a perfect flower-bed. 
in their arms lay the three instruments which i had been able to distinguish from without for being disturbed by my arrival they had stopped their playing welcome said the middle one who sat with her face to the door in a red dress and with the harp sit down by alerta and listen if you are a lover of music now only i remarked that there was a rather long bench placed obliquely before them on which lay a mandolin the pretty girl took it up sat down and drew me to her side now also i looked at the second lady on my right she wore the yellow dress and had the guitar in her hand and if the harp player was dignified in form grand in features and majestic in her deportment one might remark in the guitar player an easy grace and cheerfulness she was a slender blonde while the other was adorned by dark brown hair the variety and accordance of their music could not prevent me from remarking the third beauty in the green dress whose lute playing was for me at once touching and striking she was the one who seemed to notice me the most and to direct her music to me only i could not make up my mind about her for she appeared to me now tender now whimsical now frank now self-willed according as she changed her mien and mode of playing sometimes she seemed to wish to excite my emotions sometimes to tease me but do what she would she got little out of me for my little neighbour by whom i sat elbow to elbow had gained me entirely to herself and while i clearly saw in those three ladies the sylphids of my dream and recognised the colours of the apples i conceived that i had no cause to detain them i should have liked better to lay hold of the pretty little maiden if i had not too well remembered the blow she had given me in my dream hitherto she had remained quite quiet with her mandolin but when her mistresses had ceased they commanded her to perform some pleasant little piece scarcely had she jingled off some dance tune in a most exciting manner than she sprang up i did the same she played and danced i was hurried on to accompany her steps and we executed a kind of little ballet with which the ladies seemed satisfied for as soon as we had done they commanded the little girl to refresh me with something nice till supper should come in i had indeed forgotten that there was anything in the world beyond this paradise alerta led me back immediately into the passage by which i had entered on one side of it she had two well-arranged rooms in that in which she lived she set before me oranges figs peaches and grapes and i enjoyed with great gusto both the fruits of foreign lands and those of our own not yet in season confectionery there was in profusion she filled too a goblet of polished crystal with foaming wine but i had no need to drink as i had refreshed myself with the fruits now we will play said she and led me into the other room 
here all looked like a christmas fair but such costly and exquisite things were never seen in a christmas booth there were all kinds of dolls dolls clothes and dolls furniture kitchens parlours and shops and single toys innumerable she led me round to all the glass cases in which these ingenious works were preserved but she soon closed again the first cases and said that is nothing for you i know well enough here she said we could find building materials walls and towers houses palaces churches to put together a great city but this does not entertain me we will take something else which will be amusing to both of us then she brought out some boxes in which i saw an army of little soldiers piled one upon the other of which i must needs confess that i had never seen anything so beautiful she did not leave me time to examine them in detail but took one box under her arm while i seized the other we will go she said to the golden bridge there one plays best with soldiers the lances give at once the direction in which the armies are to be opposed to each other we had now reached the golden trembling floor and below me i could hear the waters gurgle and the fishes splash while i knelt down to range my columns all as i now saw were cavalry she boasted that she had the queen of the amazons as leader of her female host i on the contrary found achilles and a very stately grecian cavalry the armies stood facing each other and nothing could have been seen more beautiful they were not flat leaden horsemen like ours but man and horse were round and solid and most finely wrought nor could one conceive how they kept their balance for they stood of themselves without a support for their feet both of us had inspected our hosts with much self-complacency when she announced the onset we had found ordnance in our chests namely little boxes full of well-polished agate balls with these we were to fight against each other from a certain distance while however it was an express condition that we should not throw with more force than was necessary to upset the figures as none of them were to be injured now the cannonade began on both sides and at first it succeeded to the satisfaction of us both but when my adversary observed that i aimed better than she and might in the end win the victory which depended on the majority of pieces remaining upright she came nearer and her girlish way of throwing had then the desired result she prostrated a multitude of my best troops and the more i protested the more eagerly did she throw this at last vexed me and i declared that i would do the same in fact i not only went nearer but in my rage threw with much more violence so that it was not long before a pair of her little centauresses flew in pieces in her eagerness 
she did not instantly notice it but i stood petrified when the broken figures joined together again of themselves amazon and horse became again one and also perfectly close set up a gallop from the golden bridge under the lime trees and running swiftly backwards and forwards were lost in their career i know not how in the direction of the wall my fair opponent had hardly perceived this when she broke out into loud weeping and lamentation and exclaimed that i had caused her an irreparable loss which was far greater than could be expressed but i by this time provoked was glad to annoy her and blindly flung a couple of the remaining agate balls with force into the midst of her army unhappily i hit the queen who had hitherto during our regular game been accepted she flew in pieces and her nearest officers were also shivered but they swiftly set themselves up again and started off like the others galloping very merrily about under the lime trees and disappearing against the wall my opponent scolded and abused me but being now in full play i stooped to pick up some agate balls which rolled about upon the golden lances it was my fierce desire to destroy her whole army she on the other hand not idle sprang at me and gave me a box on the ear which made my head ring having always heard that a hearty kiss was the proper response to a girl's box of the ear i took her by the ears and kissed her repeatedly but she uttered such a piercing scream as frightened even me i let her go and it was fortunate that i did so for in a moment i knew not what was happening to me the ground beneath me began to shake and rattle i soon remarked that the railings again set themselves in motion but i had no time to consider nor could i get a footing so as to fly i feared every instant to be pierced for the partisans and lances which had lifted themselves up were already slitting my clothes it is sufficient to say that i know not how it was hearing and sight failed me and i recovered from my swoon and terror at the foot of a lime tree against which the pikes in springing up had thrown me as i awoke my anger awakened also and violently increased when i heard from the other side the jibes and laughter of my opponent who had probably reached the earth somewhat more softly than i therefore i jumped up and as i saw the little host with its leader achilles scattered around me having been driven over with me by the rising of the rails i seized the hero first and threw him against a tree his resuscitation and flight now pleased me doubly a malicious pleasure combining with the prettiest sight in the world and i was on the point of sending all the other greeks after him when suddenly hissing waters spurted at me on all sides from stones and wall from ground and branches and wherever i turned dashed against me crossways End of section seven.